The Small Queendom Podcast, episode 47. Hi, welcome to The Small Queendom Podcast. This is the host, Leah Graham. Here on the podcast, I jam on holistic personal development, wellness, and lifestyle topics. My goal is to help you move the needle from surviving to thriving in some of the many areas that make up your queendom. So be sure to click that subscribe button and hey, even share this episode with a friend. Today, we are talking cortisol, estrogen, adrenals. Oh my. Yes, you guessed it. It's all about hormones. Dr. Patty Haby is our guest, and she is a naturopath who practices integrative medicine and specializes particularly in fertility, pre-pregnancy prep, and also helping women achieve optimized hormone balance. But I've got news for you. Men have hormones too. Can I get an amen? So I'm hoping by taking a sort of 30,000 foot view today with Dr. Patty that we can help increase your overall hormone literacy so you can really take the next best steps, whatever that might look like in your health. Knowledge is power. And after today's show, you are going to be locked and loaded. I just love chatting with Dr. Patty and I really hope that she'll come back on the show for another episode. Wouldn't that be cool? Let's get to those hormones and let's get to Dr. Patty. I love being able to talk to you because I geek out on all the lifestyle um, forms of wellness. So I love that you do both. You have that 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 um, understanding of medicine, but you are so focused on on um, lifestyle as well. Tell us a little bit about why you decided to take this avenue for your practice? Yes, great question. Um, I've always been a huge fan of medicine, always been interested in my entire life. I just didn't like how limited I was by only so many prescriptions or surgeries. And it seemed that insurance companies dictated so much of the protocols and paradigms that you have to follow for diagnosis and treatment and the steps you have to work through. It just felt very confining. And I didn't see people getting better, unfortunately. I saw prescriptions. I saw lives being saved, absolutely. There's no replacement for emergency medicine, for surgeries. And I'm so grateful that we, the technology we have is incredible. But for these, you know, weird complaints that basically doctors are saying, this is crazy, it's all in your head. There's so much work we can do to live, because those symptoms are your body talking to you. So I really like that opportunity to listen to those symptoms, dig in and get to the root cause of things and use more natural means to heal. I always say that I just have more tools in my toolbox to work with. That's wonderful. So um, tell us a little bit before we kind of get more into the weeds and and things, tell us a little bit more about um, when someone might uh, choose to work with you or another type of integrative doctor. Yes, definitely. Um, So I work a lot with women, mainly with hormone optimizations and female complaints. So um, a lot of work that I do is preconception preparation. I sort of help couples get ready for prepare their bodies for pregnancy, both the males and the females. Men have some work to do too. It's a sperm and an egg. Totally. Um, I also work with women with anxiety and depression. uh, A lot of times because there are those root cause pieces. Again, uh, counselors, psychologists can't be underrated. They're so important. I just provide kind of the whole body approach piece that goes along with that mind Absolutely. body. Um, but yeah, I see people for GI complaints, chronic gas and bloating, constipation, just when, when weird things are going on with the body that no one really can seem to figure out. 
that's when I sort of usually get the calls and I dig in, play detective and figure out what the heck's going on. You've got like a new set of eyes. Yes. I love that. That's incredible. You know, the more I've thought about like women's health, I don't think that the average woman that I know knows a whole lot about how their body actually works and what is actually going on hormonally. And so when you touched base with me, I thought, you know, this could be a really great opportunity to, I'm, I'm giving it a term, like create hormonal literacy for, I love that. for myself and for our listeners. Um, and so I, I, I want us to kind of dig into that world of hormones and, you know, I was thinking about it and it's like, you know, growing up, I was never taught about cortisol, progesterone, estrogen. I didn't know anything about that. The only kind of experience I had with hormones was someone saying, oh, you're just being hormonal as type of like a body shaming situation. Like, okay, well, maybe I am, but what does that mean and how do I fix it? Mm -hmm. And so I would love to just start off the conversation um, with you just kind of giving us that ground level, the lowdown on what in the world hormones are and how they go to work in our bodies. I love that. Okay, so this is why I'll kind of break down the hormonal dance. So we have our brain, we have our hypothalamus and our pituitary that live up there, and they talk to all of our glands that make different hormones throughout our entire body. So that's just step one. Then I kind of break everything down into our sex hormones, our adrenal hormones, and our thyroid hormones. Those are like our biggest, heaviest hitters, right? So we're probably most familiar with our sex hormones, right? Our estrogen, which is super predominant in that first half of our cycle. It's helping grow a follicle, mature that follicle so that we can release it at ovulation, at which time progesterone, which is sort of our feel-good safety hormone, it actually acts on the same receptors as benzodiazepines do. So it's super calming. Um, That's the second half of our cycle. And then also females as well, we make testosterone. It's what makes us feel sexy. It provides motivation and lean muscle mass. Um, And that actually spikes during ovulation time as well. So those are kind of our our basics for our sex hormones. And they fluctuate throughout the month. And because of that, you know, estrogen gives us like a very strong, I can do anything type feeling. So a lot of times people will say they feel best in that first half of their month. So sort of from bleeding until ovulation. Um, and then the progesterone makes us a little more weepy, a little more matronly. It's our progestation hormone. Um, so those are the sex hormones. And then we have our adrenal hormones, which is how we combat stress. So that's our big cortisol buzzword that we're hearing a lot now. Um, and your adrenals are also make a few sex hormones and also our norepinephrine, epinephrine, our, our flight or flight response all comes from there. And then lastly, and I think super importantly is the thyroid. I kind of call the thyroid the gas station in the way it, it tells your cells to create ATP, to make energy. So without thyroid, our mitochondria wouldn't be producing ATP so that we have energy to move. So the thyroid gland is really the regulator of your entire metabolism and how you're able to burn energy. So they all have super different roles, but they're all so key. And our sex hormones, our adrenal hormones, and our thyroid hormones play very, very intricately together. That was so good. Thank you so much. I'm like, I'm like, oh gosh, I'm taking notes over here just to kind of keep it all straight. Um, so interesting. So let me ask you, why is it sometimes is it, it do you hear that women are on like a progesterone cream or they're low in progesterone? Like what is causing that and kind of what kind of effects are women seeing when they experience that? 
Yes. So low progesterone is super common. And this is one thing I always say, I mean, hormones aren't just for menopausal women. They are for everybody. Like from the day you start having hormones, period at 13, 14, 15 years old. And um, so I talked about estrogen maturing that follicle. When that follicle gets released, something that gets left behind in your ovary is something called the corpus luteum. And your corpus luteum is what goes on to secrete progesterone for the rest of the cycle or until a pregnancy occurs. So if you're not ovulating, you actually don't produce that corpus luteum and you don't get that progesterone. And that's also, so that's very common in PCOS and people can have just very irregular cycles. So if you're not ovulating, you're not getting that progesterone and it's super, super important and calming. Um, I actually use progesterone a lot in uh, my anxious patients as well. It's just very nice and calming for them. So you're saying that you are, you're finding a connection between people who may be experiencing anxiety. It could have a connection maybe with a low progesterone issue. Yes, it definitely can. That's a, that's definitely a component of it. Of course, there's so many causes of anxiety and depression, and that's why it's so important to dig in and figure out like what the root of those are. Uh, however, one of the causes I absolutely do see is anovulation, low progesterone causing anxiety. It definitely oh, works wow. against you. Wow. Okay. So ooh, so many good things there. Taking that information and moving to talk about mood, because I know for so many women, we do experience anxiety and then some of us feel um, depression or maybe there even are some people that feel both. If you have a patient that is experiencing, you know, mood issues, what are you looking at? Are you looking at hormones? Are you looking at diet? Are you looking at it all together? Yes. Great question. Um, absolutely. So I'm an integrative doctor, so I definitely take that root cause approach. We really dig in and find what's causing that. Um, and I totally agree with you. Depression and anxiety are multifactorial. It's usually not just one thing at play. It's a lot of things kind of going awry and we got to zoom in and figure out what that is. Um, so it can be so many different things. It can be food sensitivities. Um, they could need some gut healing. Also, um, it could be progesterone deficiency like we talked about. It could even be too little estrogen or too much estrogen can actually cause signs of depression. Estrogen feeds into dopamine and serotonin. So when that's off, that also can affect our neurotransmitters, which is incredible to me. Um, testosterone plays a role in serotonin secretion. Um, thyroid does and cortisol does as well. It's actually fascinating. Really neat. So um what are some of the steps that you would take for someone who like, okay, you are experiencing these things. What are, what are kind of like the next best steps that you kind of start people down? Yes, absolutely. So I think number one, the goal is to send, this is what I say is send signs of safety to your body from as many different directions oh, as you can. I love that. Send signs of safety. Yeah. We're just really trying to send it from all different angles to our brain to say, we're Okay. Let's, let's get out of this kind of panic phase. And, and that's the same with depression as well. Um, so I start big time by improving the diet. It's huge. Get them on an anti-inflammatory diet. We're going to decrease that inflammation by getting rid of usually the big triggers, which is gluten, dairy, eggs, um, and switch to make sure we're getting organic produce. We're not getting all those pesticides and glyphosate in our foods, which tear up our gut more and worsen our problems of depression as well. Um, also improve, improving sleep is huge. Making sure you are giving yourself that gift of eight to 10 hours of sleep a night and not feeling selfish for that. Really making sure your sleep hygiene is good. You know, you're winding down an hour before bed. You're not using your computer right before you're about to turn off the light. You know, just really making sure you're encouraging that good circadian rhythm 
to develop and everything. Um, also, cleaning up your environment is huge. Getting rid of environmental toxins and making sure that you're surrounding yourself with clean products and clean habits is huge. Um, what else? Of course, addressing adrenal fatigue and optimizing hormones is essential. And then stress relief, which um, we talk about a lot. Just, you know, really good parasympathetic activation using breath work or meditation, but really incorporating that into every day-to-day life. All right. So I want to kind of uh, go a little bit back to what you said earlier. You were talking about sleep and you specifically mentioned adrenal health. Um, I have only, you know, somewhat recently learned about the role of adrenals, um, especially after being sleep deprived for many years um, from having, you know, young babes waking up all night long and just not ever having like a solid, you know, hours of sleep at a time. Disrupted Um, sleep. Yes. Yes. Disrupted sleep. Would you kind of talk about what goes into that constant spike of cortisol and what it does to the adrenals? Oh yes. I love talking about it. It's so interesting. So ideally what it looks like. So for starters, cortisol is your sun and melatonin is your moon. That's kind of a fun way to start thinking about it. That's a great way to explain it. So when you wake up in the morning, you get this, you expose yourself to light. This is how ideally cavemen were created. This is how we're supposed, we are, we were created. Um, We get that big spike of light in the morning and that stimulates our cortisol to jump super, super high. Our cortisol is highest in the morning and then it's going to slowly pitter off through the end of the day. And when you go to bed at night, you want your cortisol super low because that's when melatonin is going to take over and help you sleep. So it's kind of the yin and the yang throughout the day. Now, what can happen with people is when you get adrenally fatigued or you've been chronically stressed out for too long, your adrenals either hyperfunction or hypofunction. So sometimes we see patterns where people have super high spikes of cortisol. They're, they're in that fight or flight mode all day long, even when they're going to bed at night. So they lay in bed, they're wide awake, they're wired and tired. They might have been exhausted all day long, but now that they're going to bed, they can't turn their mind off and get to sleep. I so hear a ways. lot of people complaining about that. Yes, it's so common. I think that's almost the most common picture in today's society. Um, we're just go, 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 hustle, hustle, hustle. And, and it, it actually ends up kind of flipping our cortisol curve. So we have to do some work to kind of break down that excess cortisol at night. There's some Herbs and nutrients that do a lot of good work with that phosphatidyl serine is the big one. Um, and then supporting that melatonin. The other thing that can happen is we can actually get less cortisol being produced. And that's when people just really, really tank. They're just done. They're exhausted. They're reaching for their third cup of coffee by 10 a.m., dragging through the day. All they need is a nap. When their head hits the pillow, they're asleep. That's super low cortisol. And those people need something more like an adrenal glandular, or sometimes even a hydrocortisone supplementation at that time, just to help their adrenals through it while we work on the herbs and nutrients to rebuild those adrenal glands. So are these people waking up exhausted? Yes, completely exhausted. We call them flatliners. They're never getting that cortisol spike. They're just straight through the whole day. Oh, that's, I've, I think I've experienced that before. Yes, not fun at all. And it takes a long time to heal from. It does. Wow. But I always say it took you a long time to get there too. Yes, it took me years to get there. Yes, <laughs> I, and I think I'm. I've, I've. I've been trying to really. I love how you said send signals of safety to your body. 
Mm-hmm. Cause I think maybe I've been doing that and didn't realize I've been doing that. And it's, it's helping my fatigue and my, my adrenals. So let me ask you about the relationship between progesterone and cortisol, because I heard something interesting. I wonder if you could confirm that for me, that in times of stress, when your body's having to like pump cortisol, 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 it's not necessarily producing the right amounts of progesterone. Is that true? Absolutely. And in fact, this is something that I experienced firsthand when I was in medical school. Um, <clears throat> yes. So you start it, to synthesize all your hormones. You start with cholesterol that's turned into pregnenolone, which turns into progesterone, which keeps going down and then is converted into cortisol. So if you're stressed, your adrenals aren't going to be making that progesterone. They're giving all the progesterone to cortisol. So you can handle that stress. And cortisol is the the active form. There's cortisol and cortisone. Cortisone is inactive and it actually helps calm us down. Cortisol is the active uh, kind of form of that stress hormone. And um, that can actually cause depression as well. But yes, that depletes um, progesterone like crazy. So it just compounds the issue because progesterone helps us cope with stress, but your body's doing the best it can. But yes, that pathway is spot on and it's fascinating and it's so common. Wow. Okay. All right. So this kind of is a good segue. So if someone is under a lot of stress, they're not producing the progesterone, but they're like, Hey, I want to start a family. You're thinking about conceiving. Is that when they come to you and they're like, help? Yes. Because your body is saying, uh, there's a lion or a tiger over there. I don't have any sex hormones around and you're sure as heck not going to have a baby right now. So yes, (laughs) (laughs) that's definitely when people come to me. And we work on decreasing that stress, healing the adrenals, and really promoting that natural progesterone production. Oh, wow. So this is kind of your area of specialty. Yes. I do do a lot of work with that. Yes. Very good. Awesome. So how did you decide to kind of move this way? Is it just is something that captivated your attention or... Good question. Um, I've just always loved hormones, period. And I think female hormones are fascinating. And who doesn't want to help bring beautiful babies into this world? I also feel that there's a gap missing. Um, for the American Association of Obstetrics and Gynecology, they say that if you're under the age of 35 years old, you have to be trying unsuccessfully for one year before they'll even run lab work, run imaging, and start with infertility, looking into that at all. A whole and year? For me, a whole year. And I just think that 12 months does a lot to your psyche, you know, and I think there's also a lot of good work that can be done in that time frame before people start digging in. I also feel that if you want to run your hormones, you should be able to take a look at your hormones. You should be able to start working on yourself beforehand. So I just saw there was a gap in the need in that preconception care. And so that's why I sort of have gotten into it. I'm a big advocate for taking the time to prepare your body for pregnancy because you want to have that really solid, healthy, nutrient-optimized foundation so that because you're creating a human, you're creating an organ, the placenta, you know, and people end up very depleted after pregnancies as well. So the more work you can do beforehand, detoxing, making sure those toxins aren't being transferred onto baby, optimizing those hormones, cleaning up your environment, optimizing your nutrients, it just helps the process go a little better. <laughs> I mean, I've had two babies and I think I heard the statistic once. I don't know if it's true, but it rang true to me <laughs> that that it takes your body up to seven years to 100% recover from having a, like one child. 
Yes, absolutely. Which makes sense when you think about it. I mean, in nine months, you grow that entire human being. Where does all that stuff come from? Because it's not from every single meal you're eating. It's no. something. And it, t- it, takes, it takes time for sure. I love that you mentioned really focusing on preparation. I kind of wish I would have done that more for myself. Um, my first, with my, with my daughter, I saw a, a more conventional practice and I was having trouble taking my vitamins and like, I was, you know, being sick all the time. And mm-hmm. he was, and the doctor was basically like, oh, no big deal. You don't have to worry about what you eat or your vitamins because women have babies in the desert. And I was like, that does not sit true for me. Mm-hmm. Like that, that did not ring true. Like I, I get that he was probably trying to make me feel better about like right. not doing all the things. And I appreciated that, but I think that there is a little bit of a lazy attitude about pregnancy diet. Yes, I completely agree. And I think just going in with that and I, I thought that thought too, you know, I'm like, people have been having babies for hundreds of thousands of years, um, you know, without all these supplements and everything before. But the thing that we have to keep in mind is we're also living in a significantly more toxic world than we ever have before. We're more stressed out and overstimulated than we have ever been, ever have been before. So that's why I think, you know, while, while that might be true for some people, I don't know how well that paradigm fits our society today. I do think that there's preparation to be done. And I think it's super important. So I'm kind of trying to just start the conversation of being proactive on that piece. I love that. And also, it also makes me think of like a a lot of times in the past, you know, people were growing their own food, their hands were in their own dirt and that dirt was way more mineral rich. Yep. Absolutely. I can, I think that has everything to do with it. I really do. And then on top of that, add in the fact that, you know, women who are trying to have babies have been on oral contraceptive pills for 10, 15, 20 years now, which and the way oral contraceptive pills work is they turn off your brain and say, ovaries, stop doing what you're doing. We're good. So basically, your brain and your ovaries haven't had a conversation in 10, 15, 20 years, and you jump off it and expect to get pregnant the next month. It happens. It absolutely happens. But I see people struggling more and more with that. And with just a little bit of work, uh, people can get to know their fertile signals and or optimize those hormones and everything. That's, that's a great segue. Cause I wanted to talk about that. You know, when I was in high school or college or whatever, it seemed like if a friend of mine was having like period problems, you may be having extreme symptoms. It's like the bandaid response was, Oh, they just put me on birth control. And now these women are 25, 30, 35, wanting to have a baby. Like, how do you help them transition from the oral contraceptives to prepping their body to successfully getting pregnant? Yeah. Um, I actually, I have an entire online course. I work one-on-one with people, but I also, you know, some people like to do self self-paced. I know I do. We're all different. Um, and I walk people through kind of this series. It's, so again, it's multifactorial. Um, but the way I start with people is a liver cleanse and a detoxification for both the males and the females. Um, and this is after oral contraceptive pills, um, because it it affects our liver, it gunks up our liver. Our our liver actually turns on sex hormone binding globulin, which binds up all our hormones, and we need them free so that they can be active when we're trying to have babies. So we start with a detox. Um, we clean up their environment. So that's things such as uh, getting a good air filter, getting a good water filter, using glass containers instead of plastic containers. Um, making sure you're using good cleaning products. So using vinegar and water and baking soda instead of a million chemicals. 
And then we go through after, you know, we've detoxed, cleaned up their environment. Then we focus on optimizing their nutrient status. There's some herbs that are really good for helping re-regulate our hormones, kind of getting those jiving again and identifying those, those fertile windows. Oh, that is awesome. So uh, you said filtered water. Are you a fan of the Berkey? Of course. I absolutely (laughs) am. I have it on my kitchen sink now. And I also have a Berkey water filter for my shower. They're awesome. Ooh, you do? Yes. Filters out the chlorine. You wouldn't believe how it um, improves your skin and hair, actually. Oh, taking out the the, The the chlorine. Mm -hmm. Oh, I might have to look into that. Yes, that's a fun one. They have some good sales around. And Black Friday this year, I think I got a super good deal on one. So they do run good specials now and then. They can be a little spendy, but they last for a long time and they're kind of idiot proof, which is when nice. I was in Nepal, I even bought the Berkey um, Travel water bottle. bottle. Mm-hmm. How was it? It was wonderful. I felt like I had my Berkey water the whole time. That's awesome. I'm. That's really, really cool. I, my, I used, I don't typically use plastic. I try to really, you know, minimize the amount of plastic I use or consume, but they, I, I didn't even think about it. I used their plastic water bottle, but my mm-hmm. friend, she put the straw on her hydro flask. Ooh. So she really? had the straw with the filter in her hydro flask bottle. Smart. I was like, why did you not tell me about that before we're back? <laughs> when you're packing. <laughs> oh my gosh. Isn't that incredible? That's yes. great. I love yes. that. Uh, Dr. Patty, this is all so rich. I think this is going to be so helpful for people. Um, I want to, we haven't talked about the thyroid very much. Yes. I want to kind of turn our attention there. Um, it seems like so many women experience imbalance with their thyroid, whether it's hypo, hyper, uh, even things like Hashimoto's. It seems like that is what you hear all the time swirling around, almost to the point that if you have a healthy thyroid, you're almost like a little bit of a unicorn. Yes. Why are so many women struggling with that? Is that connected with the adrenal and the cortisol issue? Yes. Yeah, so the, the thyroid plays so closely with our adrenal glands, our ovarian drags. It's, it all has so much to do you know, with our hypothalamus and our pituitary. They're all so interconnected, those hormonal cycles. And when one is being pulled, it kind of pulls the other down with them. They're all very interconnected. Additionally, another piece of it is I think our environmental toxin level is so high. And our thyroids are super sensitive to heavy metals and toxins. So that can also really affect um, our thyroid as well. Also, our gut health being so crummy gives us an increased inflammation, increased autoimmunity. So that leads to um, more autoimmune conditions. So that's why we're seeing more Hashimoto's thyroiditis. Uh, It's incredibly prominent today. I think another thing is... I think it's more prevalent today. I also think that people are having the conversation more now and it's actually being acknowledged. Like, you know, I think a lot of doctors and some, they're getting better about it, but people were always just running a TSH. And if the TSH looked good, they didn't care if people were fatigued, losing hair, had dry skin, had no motivation, had no brain fog, had brain fog. Now we're looking a little deeper and we're saying, hey, we're going to look at TSH. We're going to look at free T3, free T4, any antibodies. And that way we're addressing kind of this peripheral hypothyroidism. That's kind of a new term where in the periphery of your body, where your active thyroid is, your T3 is being converted. um, That actually can be low and your TSH can look totally normal. So I think it's being diagnosed a little bit more. People are advocating for themselves a little more. I also think that there's just more autoimmune components. And a lot of that is due to our environment and our diets. 
How often do you recommend hormonal testing? Like, is this something that it's like, if you're not start, if you're starting not to feel good, maybe you should get your hormones tested. Or is this something like, yeah, you should do this every so often? Yeah. Well, gosh, I'm biased. I always love having more information than less. So, I mean, ideally, if you could take a peek at your hormones once a year, that would be awesome. If you never have, I definitely think now's the time. And if your doctor won't order them for you, you can work with a functional medicine doctor who can order you Dutch testing, which is a urinary and salivary testing. Uh, that's super informative. Is that something that you, you do as well? Yes, I do some Dutch, Dutch testing, which is great. It's, it just shows um, so many different hormones and precursor hormones as well. We can just dig in and take a closer peek. And what I like people to know is you can order labs for yourself. You may not know how to interpret them appropriately, but if your doctor's not willing to order them for you, you can order them for yourself and then seek out a functional medicine doctor to help you with that as well. So That's I think great. it's called um, Ulta Labs is one of them. I'd have to think of another one off the top of my head. But if you Google it, you can literally find lab testing for yourself in any state. And the hormone and urinary, uh, the urinary and salivary testing, you can do at home. Like they literally send you a kit, you do it at home and you send it in. So that is incredible. I'm all about empowering people with information about their bodies. I feel like we, we should be able to understand them. It shouldn't be just the doctors that understand them. So you need people to explain things to you so that you, I just feel like we're more empowered to take care of ourselves when we understand what's going on. I definitely, I, I kind of love the way this is moving that I can order something, but yet at the same time, I do need to most of the time seek out the advice of some kind of functional integrative physician to help me interpret. Cause I know with my, um, some raw data that I have, I'm, I'm seeking out the help of an osteopath to help me interpret it awesome. and, and like move forward, especially with like B vitamins, MTRR, MTHFR, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I love that idea that I can be empowered to order my own lab, but then it still is a good idea to seek out interpretation help. Absolutely. Because that is, uh, I think adrenal fatigue is a good example of that. Uh, some people might get salivary cortisol testing done, they get it back and it says, oh, you have stage three adrenal fatigue. So they go, okay, I need an adrenal supplement. Well, adrenal supplements do so many different things. So some are breaking down cortisol, some are stimulating cortisol. Some are calming you down. Some are winding you up. So depending on your situation, it, it really d- does matter what supplement you're taking. And it is important to have guidance in that. That's awesome. Um, we, I got off tangent again. I'm thinking of so many things that you're, you're, you're uh, speaking. We're all over the place. It's so rich. I love it. I know. I hope I'm not too all over the place. But you keep saying these things that I have to talk about. Um, I love it. You mentioned um, thyroid health, you mentioned heavy metal toxicity, you mentioned um, gut inflammation. I'm thinking about, you know, if we are exposed to heavy metals, which it's in water, and mm-hmm. people, I think, do not realize how much lead exposure that we have. It's not just mm-hmm. in paint. It's, right. it's literally in like Pyrex dishes. Yes. Um, I, a great resource I have found to gain awareness is Lead Safe Mama, Tamara Rubin. Wonderful. I'll have to check her out. Absolutely. She, her website, um, it's not a fancy website, but she has a very high tech, uh, testing device. She is very experienced with it. She's been doing it years. She's actually a mother of lead poisoned children. No kidding. So she's a huge advocate for this, but like yeah. things like, you know, dishes that you'd buy from target right now, full of lead. And so anyway, I'm thinking about lead going in the body and uh, heavy metal toxicity definitely causes 
that inflammatory situation in the gut. So are you saying for someone to help improve thyroid health, they would definitely, besides just like supplementation or whatever, they would also need to get on that anti-inflammatory diet? Yes, absolutely. I think everybody could absolutely benefit from that. Doing a detox once a year for every person is a really, really good idea. Just because of the world we live in, there's only so much you, you know, clean up your environment, number one, but doing a detox every year, males and females, that's also important as well. And I will say the heavy metal testing thing, you know, it's that fine line because you can totally go down the rabbit hole and drive yourself absolutely crazy with it. And there's that fine line of limiting your exposure, making sure that you're safe. But when we start going into chelation, which is the term when you actually are removing the metals and everything, there's not a consensus on it because some people are saying, leave it where it is, detox regularly, keep it basically safe and protected because your body kind of sequesters it to protect you. Once you start chelating it and getting a little too intense, you're pulling it out. And if you don't have the right liver capabilities and support to get it out of your body, you almost just re-expose yourself and make yourself sicker. Absolutely. So it's, it's a delicate dance. I, I, from, I'm kind of like, I love talking about detoxification and from what I have um, gathered and learned and you know, on all the webinars and all the things, reading all the articles, you know, that, that Herxheimer response, that detox crisis that your body goes through is very real. You have to make sure all the channels and pathways are open. And even when you're chelating heavy metals, you need a binder. Precisely. To grab it. Yes. Yep. One thing that I found um, really helpful for me, because I have issues de- detoxing, um, mm-hmm. is the sauna. Have you infrared sauna is huge. Yes. I think that's one of the best ways. And gosh, I wish everybody could have one in their house. It's so good. Uh, Infrared saunas and colonics. Oh, okay. How often do you recommend a colonic? Kind of depends on, on what you're working on, but while you're doing a detox, it's a great, if you're doing like a two or three week detox going once a week for three weeks, go for it. Just really clean out that colon. What's the difference between a colonic and an enema? There we go. I'm asking you a great <laughs> Yeah, we'll go there. We, us naturopathic doctors love to talk about poop. It's such an important piece of our detox pathway. We'll talk about it. So an enema is, you know, just a bag with a tube. You can do it at home. And it's just gentle pressure of gravity. And it usually only fills up um, the ascending piece of your colon. Whereas a colonic is actually going to go all the way around. Your large intestine goes from your left side all the way up around and down to your right side. So it's a big upside down U. So the colonic has a little bit higher pressure and it pushes water all the way through that. So you get like really squeaky cleaned out. It's a shower for your insides. That would be great when you're doing a detox. Absolutely. Yep. Especially because when you're using binders and extra fiber and everything, people tend to get a little clogged up and that's the worst time to get clogged up because we want to get all the bad stuff out. So it's really awesome. Actually, with colonics, what's neat is you can actually can create a phenomena called a bile dump. And by um, getting fluids into your colon, it actually stimulates your gallbladder to squeeze out a bunch of bile, which is a way that your body gets rid of a lot of toxins and junk as well. So, well, that leads me to say, I hear a lot of people having gallbladder, gallbladder problems. Would this be something that could possibly help that? Fine line, you have to be careful with that one because if they already have stones, uh, you don't want to be pushing out stones that aren't going to be able to fit through that tiny little sphincter. Um, That would be really not fun. So you got to be a little cautious with that for sure. Totally, totally. What's your favorite way to like love on your liver and love on your gallbladder? 
Yes. So, um, obviously love all, gosh, there's so many things. There's calcium deglucurate, there's milk thistle. Um, I love me some milk thistle. Vitamins. Yes. There's just a glutamine. I mean, there's so many wonderful things for your liver. Dr. Patty, here's your first Nash question. If you could invite at the three people to dinner, who would you invite? Anyone alive or dead? Oh, that is a really good question. Uh, it would have to be Frank Sinatra, one. Who else? Alive or dead? I would invite, you know who I would fill up the other two seats with? Would be my great-great-grandparents. You know, like your, my first, I think of my first Irish relatives that came over from Ireland. I would love to talk to them. Dream vacation or somewhere exotic that you'd like to live? Ooh, Tuscany, of course. All the food. Probably a private beach in Mexico. Or let's or we'll say Hawaii. Absolutely. I've never been to Italy and I have to go. Have you been? Oh, it's an absolute dream. I spent a majority of my time there in Florence and on the Amalfi Coast, and it was the most charming place I've ever been. I'm so eager to go back and just stay in like the little towns. That's the best part of it. If you were not an integrative doctor, what would you be? Uh, great question. The road not traveled. Yes. I think, I actually think it would be fun to be an artist. I think it would be fun to be in marketing, kind of that creative piece, or maybe like a Food Networks chef. Ooh, are you a foodie? I Who isn't a foodie is the reality of it. <laughs> but yes, absolutely. What would be your superpower? Superpower would be teleportation. Okay, here are your results. Dr. Patty, you are going to have a dinner party with your grandparents at your home in Hawaii. And when you are done having dinner, you're going to teleport back to your inspiring studio where you were a full-time artist. This sounds wonderful. Let's go. I know. This is a perfect uh, transition because I have learned that you do paint. So tell us about your art. Oh, yeah. I, you know what? I always have, I've always had a bit of a creative side to me. Um, but just going through medical school, I fell in love with anatomy and how beautiful the human body was, but none of it was, it had its own beauty, but it wasn't super aesthetically pleasing to my preferred color palette and whatnot. So yeah, I everything's kinda, like um, burgundy and like, yes, and like painting. blue and red and just, yes. And all of them. And I think when you're, after you've been elbows deep in a cadaver for an entire year of anatomy lab. You're kind of like, you know what? I see the beauty of it. I appreciate it. But I think on my wall, I'd like to look in it in the glorious light that it should be. So, yeah, I like to play around with that and just kind of make aesthetically pleasing medical art. That is so interesting. And I, I took a look at some of your pieces and they're beautiful. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. That's definitely a niche. <laughs> it is. <laughs> All right. A couple last questions. What has been playing in your earbuds lately? It can be anything. I Got You by Duke Dumont. Very good. Last thing you Amazon primed. It was a postnatal repletion book. Very good. Ironically. There you can't you take the nerd out of the girl. Uh, what is your favorite way to move your body? I love to lift weights. 
Yep. I do it in my garage with my husband and my dog and it's a good time. Cool. So just like strength training or are you kind of into the CrossFit scene? Um, just strength training. Yep. Nothing too fancy. Just picking up heavy things and putting them back down. What would you say to the woman that doesn't like to move her body, but is intrigued by the idea of strength training? Yeah, I think it's something that a lot of women shy away from, but I really encourage it, especially because people are killing themselves with cardio and too much cardio actually tanks your adrenals. It's another stress. So I would say get out of your comfort zone, maybe do a couple sessions with a trainer, but make sure you want them to know you're not looking to do high intensity stuff. You're just trying to build muscle. It's going to help you build weight. It's going to help you lose weight. It's going to help you strengthen up. It benefits your hormones, boost testosterone. Um, So just start slow and easy. And I just find that weight-bearing exercise is the best thing for women, especially people that are trying to recover from adrenal fatigue and excessive stress. Mm, That's very good advice. I used to be a runner and now I just, I can't do it. Like I, I literally come home from a run and I take a nap. Yes. It's, it's, it's there. It's running is so fun. It's so wonderful. So I always say if that's, you know, your thing that or spin class, do it once or twice a week as like your activity, but try to knock it down a little and just focus on, on that heavy, heavy weight training. So like I say, five by five by fives are usually a good exercise to do. Is it good for your bones too, to do all that weight bearing exercise? Wonderful. Yes. Cause when you're pushing down on your bones, you're getting a little bit of destruction, which actually stimulates your body to strengthen them more. So huge for females preventing osteoporosis. I know it runs in my family. So I try to do a lot to prevent that proactively. And I just think of that mobility that is so good for your hips and, and all of your knees and like safeguarding against injury, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think we've gone a little too reliant on surgeries and we need to just take a little bit more responsibility into our, our, our own hands. Totally. What's that? An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Oh, preach my favorite line. (laughs) (laughs) All right. You mentioned that you are a foodie. What is your idea of a perfect meal? Ooh, I, I, okay. My favorite thing is it's kind of naughty, but we all have it is I love to make my own version of In-N-Out burgers, lettuce wrapped at home. Ooh, yum. I just love, everybody loves it. And I make my own fries. I make kind of my own like special spread that they have there and everything. So that's sort of my guilty pleasure. I love that. Ooh, that sounds delicious. I'm hungry now. (laughs) All right. A couple serious questions to close out. What is your hope for women everywhere? If you could send out a message to women, what would you say to them? I would tell women that they are in control of more things that they can't than they think. You're powerful beyond your belief. And you also are responsible for your destiny and what happens to you. Um, so go out, be proactive, and take really good care of yourself because you are so, so worth it. And don't be afraid to slow down. Mm, that's a good message. Good message. All right. And the question I always ask all of my guests, if you can go back in time and whisper something to your younger self, what would you say? It's all going to be great. That's what I would say. You got this. It's all, it's all going to work out and it's all going to be good. Don't question it. Dr. Patty, please let us know what you offer um, all of us. And especially if someone's wanting to get in touch and work with you or, or, or check out your course, how can they um, tap into all of that? Yeah. Instagram is probably the easiest way. So it's at dr.patty underscore Haby. Um, H-A-E-B-E. It's a weird last name. But Instagram is probably the best place that has uh, links to my website that has links if you want to schedule a quick 15 minute phone call to me to see if we're a good fit. 
Uh, it also has enrollment for my Fertility Foundations online course as well. If you want to check that out, um, it's all there. Instagram's the hub. And it, you have a beautiful Instagram feed. It's awesome. It's oh, so nice. Thank you. As do you. Thank you so much for being on the podcast with me. Thank you so much for having me. I had a wonderful time. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to click that subscribe button and share it with a friend. And hey, if you're not yet on the Small Queen of Email subscriber list, there is a beautiful gift in the show notes for you to get on that and something for you to enjoy, my Queen for a Day ebook. I'll be here next week, same time, same place. Stay strong, be kind. Bye-bye.